Welcome to this episode of the In the Scriptures podcast. I'm Lance Taylor. This podcast episode today is a previously recorded lesson from the Sandlin Road Church of Christ congregation in Elkmont, Alabama. I serve there as the minister and uh, preach and teach God's Word in that location on a regular basis. So enjoy this lesson from God's Word. I hope you'll open your Bible, study along with me as we look at this uh, important lesson that hopefully you'll be interested in to help you and also be able to share with others. Thanks again, and stay tuned for more episodes from the In the Scriptures podcast. If you can remember back a couple of weeks ago, we had endeavored to go back into this series Uh, titled, Because Jesus Died for Me. And uh, I want to continue that today, really plan on just this lesson and maybe one more uh, in this series. The first one, we talked about the fact that because Jesus died for me, uh, I want to learn His Word or His will. And that's a very important part of our growing to believe on Him, follow Him, and honor Him in so many ways. And then last time we talked about because Jesus died for me, I want to stand up for Him. And so not only do I want to hear what He has to say, but then it provokes something inside of me to actually do something and stand up for Him. And I've presented these in somewhat of the idea of, if you can imagine a loved one passing away and dying, and how that in that time you're going to have a, a, a memorial, you're going to honor them, You're going to go and you're going to wait beside the casket. You're going to read their last will and testament. And you're going to honor all of those wishes and do all of those things. And in so many ways, we will stop everything else to take care of that and to give it what it's due at that time. And I think we can learn a lot from that because in so many ways, when we look at what Jesus did for us, that's what He's asking us to do is to stop and to honor Him and to do the things that He's asked us to do uh, because He died for us. And so in in looking at the the reading this morning in Matthew 17, uh, what I want us to think about today is that because Jesus died for me, I want to respect His authority. This is a little different than listening to His Word. You You can listen to someone and take something from it and yet not fully respect it or fully agree with it. As a matter of fact, I would submit that this happens quite often maybe uh, when someone does die. When someone dies and they have a will, and maybe there are children and grandchildren and maybe great-grandchildren involved, and everybody has different thoughts and ideas and interests, and it may be difficult even the way the will is written for everybody to agree on how to make it happen and so forth. And at some point, it may even be that in a process like that, somebody else just defers to you know the other, maybe the older sibling or something like that, and says, Let, you just see to it and do what's best. But in those cases, it may be that really everybody never agreed. And you may know of an instance like that where nobody ever really agreed, and it may be that the rest of everybody's lives are somewhat affected by that because they just didn't agree. That's kind of sad, isn't it, when you think about it? Well, Jesus died for us, and Jesus left us a will, a testament, 
Jesus gave us instructions and commands. Jesus gave us things to do, to teach, to stand for. And He gave it to us from an authoritative standpoint. In other words, it wasn't like, if you kids can't agree, let the oldest one decide. You know, it wasn't like that. It was, here's my word, let's do it. And so I want us to think about it from that standpoint that if, if Jesus, if we view the, the New Testament, we, if we view the words of Jesus and the words of His messengers, His apostles, if we view that as His last will and testament, then it should have a special authority to it coming from the Son of God, shouldn't it? It should have a special authority to it because He died for us. And this is not just anybody. This is the Son of God who took our place and died for us. And so there in Matthew 17, we'll start with this text and work our way through some of these others that are on the screen. But in Matthew 17, Jesus is transfigured here on the mount. And what I really want you to see there is in verse 5, when Peter in verse 4 had answered and said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Peter, he was focused on the here and now. This was a special moment, and he wanted to honor Jesus right here, right now. But he gets interrupted right in the middle of that. And the interruption right in the middle of that in verse 5 says, While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Now, can you just imagine for a minute being Peter and getting interrupted by that? <laughs> he! And me goosebumps up here today just reading it and thinking about it. Peter was focused, I mean, it, rightly so in so many ways. He was focused on that moment and how special that was and wanting to honor Jesus right then and right there and build a tabernacle. But I want you to notice what God tells him from heaven. What He tells him is, don't, 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 you need to hush, basically. You need to stop talking. And you need to hear Him. He'll tell you what to do. Maybe you could even say that in a sense he's telling Peter, you need to stop thinking, <laughs> you know, and listen. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in our own thoughts and our own plans and our own way of things that, that we, we just can't stop long enough to really listen. But this is the kind of authority that we're talking about, right? There are certain types of authority, even in our day and time, that when they walk into the room, everybody hushes. When they, when they start talking, everybody stops. That that's an understood kind of thing, or at least it should be. And maybe we're losing some of that decorum in our day and time. But it really should be that way, right? That in certain cases, a teacher is given the floor and the class is silent. The boss at work is given the floor and the employees are silent. You know, the, any kind of position of leadership is elders in the Lord's church. When they stand before us, everybody should listen. They're the shepherds. A father in his home, among his family, is the leader of the house, should be able to command that respect and have that authority. And certainly the Son of God should have that authority, right? As Lord. King of kings, Lord of lords, that when He speaks, we should listen. 
And that's essentially what God gets the attention of Peter and these others in this moment. And he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Hear him. So I want to ask you just a real quick question as we start all this this morning. When you think about what Jesus has done for you, does it make you want to respect His authority? It should. And that when you open your Bible and you see the words in red, if you have a red letter edition, that that provokes in you something special because you know that that's the words of your Savior, your Lord, the Son of God, who died for us. In Acts chapter 2, as Jesus has talked about, I want you to notice some of the description that is given there that also should, I think, really hit us right between the eyes. In Acts 2, beginning in verse 22, as Peter and the rest of the apostles are speaking to this crowd, they say, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence." Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption." This Jesus, don't you notice verse 32? This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. And then verse 33. Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. I want to stop there and, and dwell on what has been led up to at this point. He reminds this crowd, because they're primarily, if not all, Jews, that had been around Jerusalem and seen what had happened some 50 days earlier when Jesus was taken by lawless hands and crucified. But not only had this crowd seen that, they had further than that seen Jesus out among them. And they had seen Jesus teach. And they had seen Jesus do miracles. They knew who Jesus was. Let me ask a follow-up question with all that in mind. Did they respect His authority? Well, if they did, why would they have crucified Him, right? There was definitely at least a divide in the crowd, right? There were those who had followed Him, and there were those who had followed Him for a while and been fed by Him when He fed the 5,000. 
And then in that same time when he gave some tougher teaching about spiritual things, there were many who left and didn't follow him anymore. There were those who shouted Hosanna and bowed down before him and worshipped him and praised him as he made that entry into Jerusalem before the crucifixion. There were his apostles who were saying that they would fight for him, not understanding that his kingdom wasn't of this earth. And yet the night that he was betrayed, they all fled. There was Peter who had really vocally said he would fight for him, pulled his sword, ready to fight for him, followed at a distance, and yet denied him three times. There was Thomas, who happened to not be there when Jesus had appeared to his close disciples after the resurrection who said, unless I see, I will not believe. And now here in Acts chapter 2, Peter and the rest of these apostles are standing before this crowd saying, basically, you, you guys, have, you know all this. You saw it, you were witnesses to it, you heard about it. You should believe all that's true. But what were they missing in all this? Verses 32 and 33. This Jesus, you've seen all this. This Jesus, you crucified. This Jesus that you weren't ready to fully accept. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted, and just before this, not long, they had seen Him ascend into heaven being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see in here. And then verse 36, He says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, the one, I, the one you've seen and know all this stuff about, made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. I've studied this text many, many times, but in this perspective, the, the phrase, this Jesus, stands out, doesn't it? Because they knew Him. They had seen Him. They would seen the miracles. And yet they were still struggling to actually believe. To actually respect His authority. I see a lot of parallels even in our day and time, don't you? There are a lot of people who will talk about Jesus. A lot of people who will talk about things Jesus did. There are a lot of people who talk about verse after verse in the Bible that speaks of Jesus. But then if we ask the question, okay, but do you respect His authority? Better yet, let's look at our lives and see by examination, do our lives show that we respect His authority? Maybe that's not the case at all. Is Jesus the Lord of our life? Because He's the Lord of it all. He's at the right hand of God. 
If we've made something else the Lord of our life, then I hate to break it to us, but it's bogus. It's false. It's an idol. It will fail. It is lesser than Him. Whatever it is that we make, Lord, God above might as well interrupt us and say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. Stop listening to this other stuff. Hear Him. In Matthew 28, before Jesus' ascension, He gave a great commission to His close disciples. And it's interesting in looking at that in view of what we're talking about today that that Jesus spoke specifically about authority. In Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." I want you to notice some things about that in view, again, of what we're talking about today. Jesus died. He died for these that He's talking to right here. He died for us. And His message to them immediately, you know, real quickly here after all this, is it begins with all authority. All authority. I'll tell you what right now. I don't know about you, but I would welcome our world actually submitting to a supreme authority. Because, man, we got issues with authority. We don't know who's in charge. There's weakness in every level of human authority. Every level of it. There's horrible weaknesses. And it leads to chaos and division and envy and jealousy. All kinds of things. We're worried about racism and all this other stuff that's going on. And at the heart of it is a failure at the level of authority. And so much of it is because we look to the wrong authorities. Or we set ourselves up and mankind as authorities. Man, if we would all look to Jesus the way He says it right here, when He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Boy, it would solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it? And then he tells them, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Not go therefore and beg disciples. Not go therefore and hope for disciples. You see the authoritative language that he uses? Go therefore and make disciples. Not of some nations, not of the ones who will receive you, not here and there. No, of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's authoritative, isn't it? Teaching them to observe not some things, not the things that are easy, not if it's convenient and fits their culture. No, he says, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. There's one more all in this. He says, lo, I am with you Always. You know, we, we can try to deny Jesus at the right hand of God. It doesn't make Him any less at the right hand of God right now, even as we speak. 
I should want to respect that authority. To give Him that place of authority. Lord of my life. And desire that everyone would give Him that place of authority as the Lord of their life. In Ephesians chapter 1, as Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he has something interesting to say about the authority of Jesus that really strikes at the core of the existence of everything. In Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23, he says, And he put all things under his feet. God put all things under Christ's feet. And gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, is that an all-inclusive statement or what? It's almost like you have to like slow down to think about it and read it because there's a lot of all in it. Verse 22, all things under his feet. Head over all things concerning the church. It's his body, the fullness of him. And if you wonder, does that leave anything out? He at the end of verse 23 says, who fills all in all. We read elsewhere in the Scriptures that it's by Him and through Him all things have been created and consist and hold together. There's no escaping it in that sense. So why are we trying to skirt His authority, hide from His authority, deny His authority, usurp His authority? In Ephesians chapter 4, Beginning in verse 17, Paul said this, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now when you're, when you're doing all those things, whose authority have you skipped out on? God's, Christ's, clearly. God doesn't authorize those things. He condemns those things. He commands us not to do those things. He teaches us to learn better than to do those things. That's another thing. You know, so often we put God, it's like we paint Him in a bad light that He's big, bad, and mean, and He just commands us not to do... He loves us. And if we had any sense about us, we would see that working those kinds of uncleanness and lewdness and all the sins that we read in the Bible, those things harm us. They break down our relationships. They break down our body and our mind. They tear us apart. They mess us up. If we'll just listen. What he, the way that He prescribes is a much better way. It's the best way. He goes on and says, but, verse 20, you have not so learned Christ. In other words, you know better. If indeed you have heard Him. Remember that transfiguration mount? Hear Him. And have been taught by Him. Remember the Great Commission? Teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. As the truth is in Jesus... In, Jesus, in this Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 
that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created and accorded to God, created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We have got to give Jesus the authority that is due Him, that is really demanded of us. Because who else would we submit to? It makes no sense to submit to anyone else above Jesus. You know, that means a lot. And it may be that we, we read those verses and you, and you say, Yes, Lance, you're absolutely right. Be careful, though. <laughs> because if that's absolutely right, then that means what he says goes. It's, it's no more like if it's convenient, if it's easy, if I'm capable, if I feel like it, if it makes sense to me, if I see other people doing it. Like, no, you for, kind of forget all those phrases. Because if he's got the absolute authority, all authority, then what he says goes. In First Timothy chapter 6, Paul gives a warning. In verses 3 through 5, he says, If anyone teaches otherwise, does not consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. I want to break some of that down a little bit. Are there those in our world today who are only pursuing some form of godliness because of the gain it benefits them? whether it be monetarily, or it be socially, or if it be with their family, their friends, or whether it be with some status. I'm afraid that could be the case. And Paul was talking about it a long time ago. Now we need to be a part of the body of Christ, and we need to be fully consenting to the wholesome complete words, the authoritative words of Jesus. I'm not here because mom and dad want me to be here. I'm not here because my friends want me to be here. I'm not here because I get paid to be here. I'm not here because of any of those other earthly, horizontal thinking things. I'm here because he's at the right hand of God. I'm here because he's at the right hand of God. And I bow my knee to His words, to His teaching, to His wishes in every way I can. In Second John, verses 6 through 11, we read, This is love that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. 
For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. What he says goes. Isn't that what John's really telling us? We should do his commandments, walk in his commandments. Don't get deceived by any of the false teaching out there. Don't wish any of that false teaching well, because it's serious. We need to hold on and abide in the doctrine of Christ. And finally, this morning in Colossians chapter 3, in verses 16 and 17, Paul writes, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In the name of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? That means... By His authority. That means by His authority. Somebody comes to you and says, what authorizes you to be here? If you're in a, you know, visiting in a building somewhere. And you better have a visitor badge, right? Or you better be with somebody that's got an employee ID or something, right? We got warnings out everywhere like call 811 before you dig, right? Like you got to get an authority out there to mark things. We sign contracts. We do all of these things constantly in our everyday lives where we recognize the need for authority. The need for the appropriate authority. For the right person to sign off on something. The right person to authorize something. The right person to give access to something. Now let me ask the obvious question in regard to Jesus. Does Jesus have all access? All authority? Does He sign everything we do? Could He? Could He? Or does the thought of Him signing everything we do bring shame to us? Because that Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord. Hey, we all come short of that, no doubt. Maybe you realize that even today and there might be something we could do to encourage you. Pray with you, pray for you, ask God to forgive you. We want to do that. If you're not a Christian today, then let me have you really think about something. If you're not a Christian today, 
then what are you? You, you? you might could fill in that blank with a lot of things. You might say, well, I'm a, I'm a teacher, or I'm a citizen of the state of Alabama and the United States of America, and I'm this, or I'm, I'm a musician, or I'm, you know, you could fill in that blank with what you are. Maybe your name means something. I'm a tailor, you know, or whatever. I'm a Hargrove. But what really are you? What are you going to be when this life ends? Are you still going to hold on to being any of those things? No, when this life ends, you want to say, I'm a Christian. So become one today, if you're not. What are you waiting on? Paul was told, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. If you want to do that today, we're here to help you. And we'd invite you to come while we stand and sing. Hello, everyone. So you have found the In the Scriptures podcast. What have you found? Let's talk about it for just a moment. I'm Lance Taylor, the evangelist at Sandlin Road Church of Christ in Elkmont, Alabama. This podcast is to be a Bible study encouraging the opening of the Bible itself personally to examine the Scriptures so that you can find Christian answers for daily life and to help you better share God's Word and better remember God's Word as it applies to you. So, come with me on this journey as we look in the Scriptures together.